neighbours watch your favourite pop culture podcast. I'm going to continue to say it until it's true. I know it's true. I think it's now your signature like opening line, so you yeah. kind of have to say it. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. Welcome back, everyone. It is day, no idea, week four of London isolation at this point. Um, how is everybody? I'm good. You good, Francesca? Yeah, I think we're both doing okay. Um, you know, we're being kept busy with podcast recording reading and then speaking to some fabulous authors i mean we've had such a great roster of, of writers on the podcast over the past few weeks and yeah. we have continued that with this episode helen i think you should introduce our special guest because yes. she is actually our first repeat guest yes which is super exciting it's very exciting um so last year we had the fortune of um interviewing a date a novelist who was um publishing her debut um, in April time of last year. And she is now, um, you know, fantastically a Sunday Times bestselling author. Um, and she's just released her second book. And um, that's not so hard to guess, I suppose. But the author herself is Beth O'Leary, who is the author of <laughs> The Flat Share, which um, just recently has been longlisted for the Comedy Women in Print Award, uh, which is a fantastic book that absolutely smashed um, through the publishing world and was really popular and really talked about. Um, and she's just released her second novel, The Switch, um, which is similarly fun um, and meaningful and emotional, but also humorous um, and is uh, very much a fantastic book to read. We both absolutely really, really loved it. So we were really honoured to talk to her about The Flat Share and we're equally as honoured to talk to her about The Switch. Um, and um, Flan, are you able to give us a bit of a lowdown on what The Switch is as a book? With no spoilers, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, so, so the concept of The Switch, it's in the title. It's about two women who sort of switch lives. Um, these women are uh, Lena, who's in her 20s, who's um, got this like very high-flying job, but a lot of like emotional pain um, mm. relating to the very tragic death of her sister. Um, and she's got this relationship, but it's maybe not quite as good as it seems as well. And, you know, she's feeling a bit lost, basically. Um, she's really close with her grandmother, Eileen, who lives in this little village in Yorkshire. She's divorced, her husband's left her. Um, she's also dealing with, you know, the, the pain of, of this, you know, passing of her granddaughter, mm. you know, of, of Lena's sister. So they're both kind of like trying to sort of figure themselves out, but they've got this very close relationship. And so they decide to switch lives, whereby Lena goes up to Hamley, this little village in Yorkshire, um, and takes over Eileen's duties there and kind of befriends the, the locals in the community. And of course, has a run in with a hot man very, who, um, yeah, very falling in love isn't it? it sort of seems a bit gruff <laughs> yes it is he seems a bit kind of like they're very much a bit of a culture clash like she's this like city high-flying girl and he's like more kind of like low-key and like enjoys being in the countryside but yeah they have a bit of a frisham Mm. Meanwhile, Eileen is in London experimenting with like the London dating scene for older women, um, having a great time befriending Lena's flatmates um, and also bringing together the community in Lena's apartment block, who've never really interacted in that way that, you know, lots of us can relate to with London neighbours. But actually, Eileen's really good at like kind of getting them together. So the book follows like the, their two... Um, you know storylines as they both kind of like explore what's good and bad about one another's lives and also find themselves and find love in the process so it's <laughs> a wonderful book and it is like so cheering mm. um and there's definitely some similarities uh to the flat share so for anyone who loves that book i think you'll love this one too uh but yeah i think we should jump into our interview with beth which definitely sums it up 
you know better than either of us could um and yeah we had such a great time chatting to her so i hope you enjoy it yeah let's go Obviously, we spoke to you sort of like this time last year, just after um, the flat share had come out, and then that's obviously been such a successful yeah. book that's really captured everyone's imagination. I think so many people have fallen in love with it. So, what's this past year been like for you? How's it? How's it been? So, yeah, this this last year has just been about sort of trying to figure out what sort of writer I am after you know, obviously the flat share, um, you know. And just where well, you can take a debut in lots of different directions, like in terms of what your trajectory as a writer was, and had to kind of work out what sort of books I wanted my books to be. Um, and so kind of just finding my feet, I guess, as a, as a writer who is trying to make a career um, rather than just a, a kind of debut novelist. Um, and also figuring out how to do events, which is something I'm never very comfortable with, um, uh, but I'm getting better at. Um, and yeah, writing the switch was very different from writing the flat share because I was suddenly aware of a readership who were kind of waiting for my next book and I really didn't want to let them down. I didn't want to let my publishers down who were all waiting, you know, I had a, I had a deadline, like I had a contract. And um, after a while I found that actually I had to kind of shut out all of the positive noise about the flat share just to get myself you know, able to write the switch because I was finding myself even, you know, I'd look at a positive review of the flat share and think, um, oh no, I wonder if they're going to like the switch. <laughs> so in the end, I just had to say to my publicist, um, just for a little bit, whilst I'm trying to get my head into this next book, would you mind not sending me any reviews? Yeah. And um, and then I managed to just kind of put that behind me. I, I can't, can't, think I can't give readers what they want when I'm trying to, if that makes sense. And yeah. once I settled in and said, I want to write a book that I really want to write, that I'm excited about, I want to fall in love with it, that way that, you know, when you're writing, you just immerse yourself in it and you can't think about anything else. And uh, in the end, kind of closing off from the world a little bit was, was the way I found that, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and I think... So if we think about, you know, flat share over the switches here, what inspired you to write that novel in the first place? Um, so the idea for the switch came um, a, a, about a year and a half, two years ago. Um, I lost my grandma and we were, when she was poorly, we spent um, quite a bit of time staying up with her and she lived in a little village with a real um, sense of community and um you know her neighbors and her friends were dropping around to check in on her and and uh, it just struck me you know how what would it, what it would be like for a young woman to kind of step into her grandmother's shoes in this setting and, and try and kind of fill her grandmother's role in, in that community um and initially I had imagined that I would write a story about somebody that was sort of caring for their grandma while they were sick and then actually you know as I got further into the idea I thought I for starters, you know, I really wanted to celebrate my grandma and the old women I knew when they were at their prime. You know, we read a lot and see a lot about kind of women in, in their late 70s who were ill or dying. And actually, you know, that's, that's not what I think of when I think of my grandma, even if that was her sort of last weeks. Um, so I really wanted to kind of celebrate her, 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 her sort of peak. And, and also, you know, wouldn't it be kind of fun if it was a full-on swap like I thought what if the older woman also stepped into her granddaughter's shoes um and that was how it became kind of Eileen and Nina fully swapping roles you know switching from between Yorkshire and and London 
Yeah, and we absolutely love that. And I think it, it was so nice seeing this sort of positive and loving relationship between the granddaughter and the grandmother, which oh, is based on such, such a lot of like mutual respect and, and, and admiration as well as love. Um, uh, but in the book, you inhabit both their perspectives, um, kind of similarly to you did how you did it in the flat share. Um, so you have the perspective of 20-something Lena and then 79-year-old Eileen. Um, so what was it like inhabiting the worlds of each character and bringing them both to life? Um, it was much harder to bring Lena to life, much to my surprise. I thought um, Eileen would be the tougher character, but she just walked right into my head, you know, fully formed, like, as you, as she would, <laughs> as is only appropriate for yeah. someone like Eileen. <laughs> um, and, you know, when it came to things like... Um, her turns of phrase and 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 uh, you know her voice. I was helped a lot by um, uh, before lockdown. I was volunteering once a week with a local um, kind of lunch club that's a little bit like the Silver Shoreditches Club in the novel, um, which runs for kind of isolated older people in our community. Um, and you know, I have now a, a big bunch of eighty. 80 year old plus friends who I see once a week or and or at the moment I'm missing very much um and they helped a huge amount with kind of getting the little the little turns of phrase that are really about you know the era that they grew up in and and um you know things like saying stepping out with instead of dating and mm. um that sort of thing but other but when it came to you know the the, the core of Eileen's character she's so she's so strong and her voice came through so clearly I found that her chapters you know they kind of flew whereas I think with Lena she's a little bit harder to get to know and I found that as I was writing her and I also think you know Tiffy in the flat share was mm. such a loud voice and such a distinctive voice um that I had to kind of park her and 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 sort of say goodbye to her almost to be able to get into Lena's head because Lena's mm. a very different person from from Tiffy she's very competitive she's very ambitious she's um you know she's a real high achiever who who values that about herself she doesn't have the same sorts of interests as Tiffy she's just got a different perspective on the world so I had to kind of yeah I think that was a harder transition than sort of moving to writing someone like Eileen who I'd never written before yeah and I think um you know the, you touched there about the kind of unexpected connections that people can form with their neighbours um something which maybe happens more in like a small town than it does in London um, and I really loved that idea of like the Londoners of all ages and the apartment block coming together. Um, did you kind of want to tackle that that sort of issue? You know, what's a very uplifting and optimistic novel? Yeah, the I knew that I wanted Eileen to bring some of what's really important to her to London with her um, in the same way that Lena does. But, you know, brings what's important to her to, to the little village Hamley in Yorkshire. Um, and once I kind of got to know Eileen's character, it was clear that she she was the sort of cornerstone of her community you know people really rely on her and um and so I wanted her to kind of bring that out in in the people in the apartment block in London um but equally you know I don't think that the reason people don't speak to their neighbours in London is because they don't care I think it's just sort of it's just kind of like how it's done like it just mm. you know it would it, it takes a little push to make you realize god I haven't even spoken to the people at number 10 or whatever um so you know, I wanted to still show that those people were really open to helping one another. It was just that they needed a little spark in the form of Eileen. Yeah. Um, I do think it's interesting that I wrote about community in this book because I think I was sort of going from being part of a team in an office to working at home, uh, you know, living further away from my friends. Um, 
and doing a totally new job and I didn't know anyone else who did it and I, I think in some ways I was sort of trying to find my community and sort of find my you know people that I could talk to about my experiences and and um uh, and I think kind of some of that played out in the novel that I was writing yeah absolutely um and and equally um how was it kind of you talked about kind of hang hanging out with like 80 plus year olds you know, and things like that um you know as a result of like where you live and join their community and things like that um how was it writing about love and relationships from the perspective of Eileen who is I believe 79 you know she's had a husband before she has a daughter and a granddaughter um you know it's quite a bit unusual to see novels of your kind written from the perspective of 79 year old ladies um how did you find doing that and how was it differing that from someone like Tiffy or Lena who are both I say similar ages Mm. Yeah, it was, well, it, I, I did some very um, odd research about um, sex later in life, which is uh, <laughs> forever in my internet search history, <laughs> but absolutely fascinating and something that we don't talk about. Um, and also, you know, just, just um, you know, really benefited from the conversations that I was having. Um, I really realised one, one thing that really struck me about the, the diners at the lunch club is, uh, um, is that they're all... Um, much more candid about sex and love and relationships than I expected. Um, oh, well, not all of them, but a lot of them um, would speak to me really openly about kind of, and, and you know, they have really, like, as, as a good bunch of the ladies there that have a really dirty sense of humour. <laughs> and, um, you know, I think I really wanted to kind of dispel the, like, prim old lady sort of image um, because that just wasn't the one I was seeing. And, and I really wanted to write a character who who didn't kind of, fit with that stereotype um so yeah and I had some really actually some really interesting conversations as well with my parents who aren't as old as Eileen but you know sort of a decade younger but about what falling in love when you've loved before is like and you know those and what you know falling in love when you have children and those sorts of things which it's just really eye-opening I think it's something that as a young woman you don't you know necessarily think and talk about as much um so it was really refreshing to kind of get the opportunity to do that i also really liked that in some ways eileen is actually you know though she is older she's much less jaded about dating than like well b who's one of the characters in the novel who's a friend of lena's who's um been dating for a long time is at that point where she's just sick of it and she's just like not another tinder date and she's just Mm. lost the will um whereas you know eileen actually comes to the dating scene like with the sort of excitement of an ingenue, even though she's kind of been through being married and um and you know relationships before because it's she's never done that sort of dating so it's exciting for her and it was it was fun seeing her sort of find joy in it um Mm. because so many of my friends and you know we've all been through that kind of thing where you think i'm never going to find someone why am i bothering and it was nice to sort of get somebody somebody else throw somebody different in the mix and get them to remind you that that's actually fun in in the dating sort of time yeah absolutely yeah and you know the the romance in the book is 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 so sweet both um you know eileen's romantic encounters and also the sort of slow burning attraction between lena and jackson um, you know, you've obviously written a wonderful rom-com before in, in the form of the flat share. What kind of attracts you to that genre? And also, you know, you always put a bit of a twist on that genre. It's not kind of ever straightforward. Um, yeah, what what sort of brings you towards that um, form of writing? Oh, that's, a good, that's a really good question. I think I 
I'm very interested in love. I don't think there's anything more interesting to me than, than love in all its various forms. And like you say, in, in the switch, you know, it's, it's as much about family love and what that looks like and the love between friends as it is about romantic love. Um, but I just find as a reader, I'm always drawn to a love story. Um, not necessarily, you know, I love a good romance novel, but it doesn't have to be a romance novel. Like I love, you know, lots of genres, but I like to find a love story in there too. And I think probably that just, you know, that interest as a reader kind of affects what I write. Um, and I, you know, I really delight in writing those scenes. Like a good kissing scene is definitely up there as one of my favorite things to write. <laughs> um, but I always want to write uplifting books, I think. I think, you know, I was talking earlier about kind of deciding what sort of books I wanted my books to be. And I think that's kind of what I settled on really is I want, I want them to feel true to life, but kind of hopeful, um, and that you come away feeling, you know, you come away smiling. Um, and, you know, I think love plays a big part in coming away smiling. So perhaps that's why, why the romance ends up in there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's lovely. I really like that. Um, and to sort of flip the switch here, I guess, I mean, a big thing about the switch, um, is also ideas of kind of like, um, loneliness and isolation, um, which kind of everybody in the novel feels in some way, no matter kind of where they are, particularly, you know, in, in London. And Eileen kind of talks about that, like, um, you know, as a proper issue she's concerned with. Um, what kind of made you want to talk about this and to champion sort of like, particularly like elderly loneliness? Um, I think spending more time where with my grandma made me realise god she goes out once a day to the village shop and she does that not because she needs to get anything she does that because she wants to walk past somebody and say hello and she wants to talk to the person in the shop and we also were living next to um a lovely elderly gent who used to stand at his gate a lot of the time and I, I remember thinking oh god like I need to rush to the shops but you know he's he's there at the gate and I'm gonna have to stop and whenever I stop and talk to him I always end up talking to him for about 45 minutes because he's he's really chatty and it wasn't really until after I'd spent that time you know that longer time with my grandma that I thought god of course he's standing at the gate because he he has no one to talk to all day and I I hadn't really properly taken the time to think about that and thought that actually that 45 minute conversation with me is his only social interaction today and yeah absolutely I should make sure to nip out to the shops at the time when he's there because that's that's a lovely thing to do and it just it, it made me start to notice and that's you know part of the reason I and I started volunteering was I wanted to kind of you know connect with those people and and um and through that that's been so, I mean just you know for me it's been so beneficial just they have such you know, incredible stories to tell like we're so lucky to have these people to talk to and we're, we're kind of not talking to them was sort of how I felt like I'd been living in this community you know I lived in a kind of a, an estate on the edge of Winchester and, and I've been living in that community and and not speaking to those people um so yeah it was really I, I feel like I kind of just was drawn to the to the issue and and it made me you know want to write about it as well yeah absolutely yeah, and, you know, you've written about London and kind of urban life in both your books, and, and you spoke to us before about how your experiences in, in flat shares in London, you know, impacted your writing. Um, but what was it like bringing, you know, the Yorkshire village of Hamley, um, which features in the book, what was it like bringing that to life and kind of inhabiting quite a different sort of landscape? 
Yeah, so I, well, it's not different now. I now live um, on the on the edge of a, of a village in the countryside, not right. in Yorkshire, sadly. Um, but my, my partner's from Yorkshire, so all my in-laws are, are there. And, and um, I've, I, you know, ever, he kind of, Sam sort of made me fall in love with Yorkshire. I didn't know that county at all until I met him. And, you know, I the Yorkshire Dales are just one of my favourite places. So it was lovely setting a novel there because I could kind of bring myself back there when I was writing um and um you know I I I guess I've moved away from city life so like if I if I was if I've definitely done the leaner you know gone gone from city to to countryside so um yeah and I I I loved writing all the gang in Hamley like there's there's a real collection of, of characters and one of the things I love about small communities is it does throw together people that would never otherwise meet. Um, and, uh, you know, just sort of your friends by nature of the fact that, you know, you, you live in the same street or whatever it might be. Um, and so, you know, when Lena moves, you know, when Lena's spending time in Hamley, she, she is really genuinely makes friends with people who she would probably never cross paths with in her normal um, her normal life, which was a lot of fun. And I really wanted them to be a, a kind of uh, very distinctive cast of characters. Um, and they, they were a lot of fun to create. Yeah, yeah, they're definitely fun to read as well. <laughs> I always find that about both of your books so far. It's just, it's been as much about the people they, they hang out with and who they end up becoming community with um, as much as the main characters themselves. Yeah, so I love secondary characters. Um, I often kind of yeah they, they, it's almost like there's less pressure you don't have to know them quite as well as you know your you know you need to know your protagonist inside out but you can have a bit more fun with with kind of just playing with secondary characters yeah absolutely yeah and um you know to kind of switch track a little bit you know you, you've mentioned earlier about like the sort of present situation that we're in which is obviously very strange and unprecedented and I imagine also mm. kind of a, a strange time to bring out a book even though obviously people are searching for kind of escape from from the real world and I, I definitely found the switch to just be like the perfect escapism right now but what's that experience been like for you like releasing the book during um lockdown yeah uh, it's been strange um <laughs> in some ways my life hasn't you know, compared to so many people, my life hasn't changed enormously. Like I work from home anyway. Um, my I live rurally, so my main kind of going out for the day is walking the dog once a day. Um, and my partner, who's a doctor, is still going to work. So you can almost have a day if I don't read the news where life almost feels normal. Um, but it doesn't, of course, because you know I'm worried about my loved ones, and um, we all are, and, and it's it's scary time. Um, but it's been it's been so emotional and lovely seeing readers saying that you know my stories have given them a bit of distraction and escape um you know it's my absolute favorite thing when a reader says that you know they've had you know they've been feeling a bit down or they've had a bad week and the books cheered them up like that just feels like such a lovely thing to be able to do you know and such yeah. a like lovely thing to hear um so that's that's been really lovely like being able to kind of hear that the books have made people smile um publication time has obviously looked very different normally I mean I'd had my poor publicity team who are amazing you know they had so many events lined up for me um I would have been all over the country kind of going to bookshops doing talks um and obviously all of that's been been largely cancelled there's the odd sort of thing that we've managed to move virtually but um you know I really feel for them because that's months of hard work that's just had to 
you know come to nothing but hopefully some of it will be able to be rescheduled and um you know i might be able to do some some things like that you know soon you never know um yeah but um yeah and also obviously waterstones is closed physically and uh you know wh Smith is closed physically and and um that's of you know it's just totally changed the landscape of, of publishing um and you know we don't really know how yet like we're still sort of trying to figure out are people still reading what are they reading how are they reading right now you know mm. um encouragingly it does seem like people are still reading so that's that's nice and very reassuring for me <laughs> yeah we yeah we certainly are um oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um and yeah equally we've kind of asked a few people we've interviewed this in the last few weeks and um, we're going to continue on with it um so obviously this, the times that we're in, the lockdown for many is sort of some people are kind of using it as a creative tool, I suppose, to pursue things they might not have been able to otherwise pursue. Um, do you have any advice kind of for anyone hoping to sort of like work on a creative pursuit such as a novel like at this time and like how could they think about it? I think it's great if people are doing that. I think it's a brilliant way to try and kind of make the best of an awful situation and say to yourself like how can I use this positively? Um I would say tips for if you are trying to write your novel in lockdown, I would say try and still um, give yourself like portions of the day. I mean, I wrote The Flat Share on my commute when I was working full time. And the reason that worked was because it was a finite hour mm. at the beginning of the day and an hour at the end of the day. And I would not connect to Wi-Fi. That helped a lot <laughs> because I couldn't get distracted. And, you know, an hour being disconnected is, you know, it's, it's actually really quite pleasant, like, once you give it a go. Um, and uh, also, I'd set, I often set myself targets. So I set myself a word count target when I'm on a first draft, um, where I say, like, right, today I'm going to write this many words. Um, because it, not because I, you know, I think it's mostly about kind of freeing myself from self-editing. So I... I if I I give myself a really ambitious target, I try to write two thousand words a day, which is a lot for me. Um, and it's so much that I I have to write massively to to hit it. You know, I can't I can't go mm, oh that paragraph's not quite right, and then spend ten minutes tweaking. I just have to be like I don't have time to do that because I really want to get to two thousand words. Um, which means that you know I I seem to just keep the momentum going. Like for me, that's really important. If I sort of hit a stumbling block then it's much harder to get back in uh, it does mean that my first drafts are absolutely state <laughs> i tend to look back at them and think like christ right okay here we go <laughs> the second draft is you know is the real work like the the first draft is is like putting down the raw material and the second draft is working out what it's going to be um but i find that works really well for me so maybe targets would work well for other people um but also another thing i would say is if you're is, is to take writing advice with a pinch of salt um i have often found in the past that it can be a bit um overwhelming and i sort of start to feel like i'm doing it wrong because people will say like you know always write 500 words a day or you know write first thing in the morning or whatever it might be and actually i think oh no that's not what i'm doing am i doing it wrong and from what I know of writers, there's no, there is literally no common way of doing things. Everybody um, has different techniques and it comes at it a different way. So just sort of take the bits that resonate with you and it make you feel excited and inspired and leave the bits that make you feel like you're doing it wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's great advice. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it's, it's sort of like 
breaking things down into being a bit manageable is always helpful and particularly right now I think you know yeah. we can all feel a bit overwhelmed um mm. and a novel is a very big thing <laughs> it's yeah. a lot of words and it can it can be sort of overwhelming so having smaller chunks you know you'll you'll hit 20,000 words and you'll think oh my god I didn't even really notice that I got to 20,000 words um rather than kind of being very very aware of that <laughs> yeah yeah and just as kind of a, a final question, um, you know, you mentioned earlier how, how wonderful it is when people reach out to you and say that their your books are helping them through this this weird time that we're all living through. Um, but what kind of are you looking towards in terms of pop culture to, to help you through the lockdown? You know, have you got any books that you'd really recommend or movies or TV shows or any of like the live stream theatre? You know, is there anything like that that, you know, has really kind of brought a smile to your face right now? Yeah, it's been interesting. I've weirdly watched hardly any television, which I really didn't expect. I don't know, I don't know quite why, but um, I've been reading a lot more, um, and I've been reading a lot of. So, a, a, in fact, a book that really got me out of the kind of at the beginning of lockdown when I was feeling very anxious, I was worrying a lot about my partner because, of course, he's he's you know frontline and mm. and um, and I read Christina Lauren's The Unhoneymooners. Uh, which is a, a it's just such a fun read and I read it in one weekend um and it just took my mind off things in a way that nothing else had um and so since then I've just I've kept up the reading as a, as a kind of thing that keeps me going um but yeah The Unhoneymooners is about um two people who despise one another but end up on a package honeymoon together um <laughs> so it's just a lot of fun and also a really good one if you've had to like if you've not been able to go on summer holiday but you still want that sort of summer holiday read vibe um and yeah it's yeah so that was that that would be a great one for a for minute um otherwise i've i've kind of i've been absolutely delighting in going out with the dog like that that one walk a day has become my absolute like favorite thing and i really savor it now in a way that i don't think i did before you know i'm appreciating it so much more um and we're so lucky around here it's it's um bluebell season so all of the woods are, are sort of carpeted with bluebells which um obviously just feels totally magical um and just takes you away from you know nature is really good for that i think for taking you kind of out of yourself and reminding you of you know calm and peace yeah yeah oh yeah that's lovely i'm i'm i have a my parents have a dog and i i go and get them to release him to me every few days oh that's lovely it is yeah. what, I, they're so healing i think pets like having something that isn't talking to you about coronavirus but um it still wants a cuddle <laughs> yeah absolutely thank you for your patience beth oh i'm so glad we managed to make it work thank you so much for your patience as we uh figured out the technology <laughs> Beth being on the podcast uh, with us um you know barring a few technical difficulties which perhaps um hopefully uh did not turn up too badly in our recording but um it was it's always really great to chat to her as it is with every author that we talk to and um it's really great to hear her thoughts especially as a second her second big novel you know as she pointed out in her in you know in answering one of our questions you know her marketing schedule her publicity schedule was really quite full for the for the switch and there was going to be lots of bookshops she was going to lots of talks she was doing you know lots of kind of the same big splash as was given for the flat share so certainly you know we can expect great things from her book 
Um, and I think that's definitely one thing which struck me a lot while reading it too, that the switch inhabits and has uh, characterises a lot of the same strengths that the flat share had completely particularly what was really interesting was the fact that in the flat share you know two people are put in an interesting situation that you might not normally expect so tiffy and leon have to share a bed without ever seeing each other because of course leon is a night nurse and then tiffy is just a normal day worker um so she puts those two characters into a situation just sees what happens to their relationship and the same thing happens in the switch right like the grandmother and the granddaughter are swapped lives. They have different scenario, different living places, different communities. You know, it's something which you couldn't really expect to happen in real life. And then Beth just sort of writes what might happen and kind of, you know, visualizes what might change about your life. And I think that's a really interesting thing the book does. Um, but equally, it's like, you know, a question that I have and I'm going to put to you about this is how do you think fine she does that in both books but how do you think the books differ you know what are the different not what different different strengths but sort of like how does that kind of like routine of making putting characters in unusual situations kind of what impact does it have in the switch versus the flat chair if that makes sense yeah well i think one thing that's quite interesting is that both these scenarios that beth dreamt up are a, a little bit um out of the normal like I mean I've never heard of anyone doing either either sharing a bed yeah. or switching lives with their grandmother but they are grounded in this heart and realism that you can really imagine it happening mm-hmm. and I think she it, it's not um, completely unrealistic and I think she then plays it out in a way that feels so true to life and so true to the characters that you've gotten to know and love mm-hmm. that that is very much like you know the, the appeal but there is also that hint of like escapism of like you know the idea of switching lives with somebody whether that be your grandmother or your friend or someone you didn't know. I mean, it's like that movie, The Holiday, you know, it's the same kind of idea. It's got that sort of excitement and um, it's really interesting concept. Um, so yeah, I think perhaps the main difference between these two books is um, the flat share is perhaps more obviously a romance. Like the romance is kind of at the center of the yeah, story. For sure. Even though T- Tiffy and Leon, the two characters don't meet like until maybe halfway through the book. Um, although I remember us saying at the time that they do meet earlier than you might think. Yeah. It's not the case that they only meet at the end or something you know it does kind of uh like Beth's so good at like showing you what happens after the happy ending and what happened you know it's always she always follows through the entirety of the character stories in a way that is really admirable I completely agree um but yeah I think in in this story um it's more like uh, you know the the family and the idea of family and connection perhaps is is more at the center connection in all its forms both familial but also neighborly um and you know community connection as well as the romantic connections I, I think it's kind of in a really cool way like a more rounded perhaps um, yeah absolutely I also think that there's definitely um it would appeal to so many people this this book I mean mm. so clearly has the flat share because it's been so crazy popular um but I think you know Beth really gets inside the head of a woman who's slightly older in the case of Eileen and so I can really imagine that, that women of her generation would really enjoy the novel as well um yeah so i yeah i think it's really interesting isn't it what did you think about the the sort of differences and similarities between the two books Mm, for sure i think one of the big things about the flat share that i think made it so impactful is one of the big storylines which is that uh not a huge spoiler but leon's brother is in prison well is on trial for a crime that he got mixed Mm. up in but is not actually 
to blame for. Uh, and it's about, you know, as, an, as a night nurse kind of struggling to make ends meet, he's also trying to deal with the fact that he is the one representing his brother and he has to try and support his brother, but he's afraid he's going to end up going to jail. Um, and I think, yeah. you know, and then Tiffy's obviously dealing with like a very kind of abusive relationship, emotionally abusive. And I think the way Beth, like actually portrays that and the way that gets resolved um, and the ways in which that Leon and Tiffy support one another, I think is so meaningful and so, um, what's the word, so heartwarming. Um, and I think that's one of the great mm. things that the flat share does is it's about that flat share meeting, yes, but it's also about the ways in which they both resolve each other and they can both help each other deal with their problems. And I think this, for the switch, it's a slightly more lighthearted, I suppose. Like the switch is meant to more just like, you know, fine, there is the sort of slightly tragic backstory of, um, the, the tragic backstory of Lena um, and then Eileen, I guess, as well, the grandmother, because they both lost this granddaughter and a sister. But equally, I feel like it's less the point. The point is more to throw these characters into into a switch and see what that brings up. Yeah. And it's, it's slightly more, not happy, but I think it's a bit like, more lighthearted for me. And, and the strengths of the book for me are not in the ways in which their relationships get their, their traumas get solved but it's more about what they gain from moving and about how big city life and countryside life can sort of bring new life to you and equally what was really important about this book I think was the portrayal of older relationships which we talked about to Beth about as well mm. you know how Eileen the grandmother goes out and dates and there's no sort of like messing around there's no like oh these oldies go on a date and they don't do anything interesting like they go on a proper date and then Eileen thinks about sex and Eileen thinks about what it's like to be a 79 year old single woman and I think that's really interesting and a real strength of the switch that is similar to the strength of the flat share and the flat share talks about issues that some books weren't talking about and I think the switch talks about adult relationships in a way that other books don't particularly books of like the romantic comedy kind of style which I really liked yeah. actually and I think again one of the great things about the switch that I saw in the flat share was I found it so easy to read like it wasn't jarring it didn't drag I've read some other books a bit recently that did drag a bit because of whatever reason I think she's good at comedy but she's also good at making her characters really fun and believable so you don't mind reading about somebody annoying because you get amused by it you know what I mean so she's really good Absolutely, at interpersonal yeah. relationships that definitely comes mm. out in the switch just as much, much as it does in the flat share the communities that surround her main characters are so fun it feels like you know I, I don't know something like the Vicar of Dibley or whatever those shows where you love every character character because they all yeah. contribute it's the same thing with her books I think um definitely. definitely and the switch does that too yeah I mean I think you can tell that Beth like is really enjoying writing the books yeah and I think that really comes across and then she loves every character whether that be you know some of the kind of uh, villagers who live in Hamley who who are really not main characters but they are still treated with care and attention yeah. and respect that the main characters are treated with and I think that means that you as the reader are just really enjoying inhabiting that world mm -hmm. um and you know there is also a lot to say for, for for reading that kind of novel at the moment as well like we've said this before but I know a lot of people are like finding it tricky to kind of get into books at the moment because yeah. like their heads all over the place and I think you know Beth's novels are so wonderful in that they are really easy to slip into that said when we say they're easy to read it's not that is such a skill like to be able to write a book that is easy to read and also as you say it does still you know both novels do touch on some like pretty serious themes like although um 
as you point out, like the the tragic backstory of the death of, of um, Lena's sister and Eileen's granddaughter is really sad. It isn't maybe dwelled upon all that much. Mm. Um, but I think the theme of kind of isolation of being disconnected really is a big part of the book. Yeah. And that is a really serious issue. And I think um, that is kind of touched upon with this kind of lightness and levity which mm. allows you to kind of not get bogged down with it but also still think about it and sort of ponder like I can totally imagine people reading this book and then deciding to set up their own like little community yeah know, in their apartment block or in their neighborhood like, I could really imagine it having mm-hmm. that impact which is so cool mm-hmm. particularly now I think that one great thing about the book is that it does really try and champion communal relationships and whilst we can't all gather in village halls or go to fates or have a fun little communal area that where you play bowls bowls no where you play bridge in your like <laughs> you know in your definitely not bowls not bowls <laughs> where you play a uh, bridge in your sort of like communal um, flat area yeah. um i think that still we're seeing we're at a time where like communal relationships um and community support are increasingly important you know in my area there's a sort of like um a, endeavor to sort of get people to phone in to a charity that is local if they need help or need people to send them you know send them food or deliver them food or go shopping for them mm-hmm. so um, i feel like the kind of spirit of helping each other out is something which beth has always valued in her books um and i think that's something which we can all remember now. So I think it fits in well. I mean, perhaps you didn't expect to um, release a book during these kinds of times, but it does. It is definitely a similar message to the kinds of messages we're seeing. Um, and again, her there's a mini promotion of the NHS in the book as well. I noted from when they discussed the care that the sister received, her end of life care. Um, and again, to to highlight the NHS, you know, Beth herself, I know, is um, her partner is an NHS worker, so. You know, again, this book kind of comes at a time where these ideals and supports are really important. So I guess it is a good time, as good time as any, to release this book. And speaking of, it is out now. You can get it now in hardback um, at any of your good bookstores. We, as always say, you should champion your independent bookstore. Um, They're really good at getting books for you. I recently ordered like three books. Um, They they got them delivered in a few days um, from a bookstore, even though they weren't open. So definitely buy the buy the switch and buy from an independent bookstore or Waterstones if you can. And that is my take on that. Yeah. And I think the, um, the, the, um, what do you call it? The audible, um, audio book is out as well. Yes. Um, so, you know, that could be great. Like it could be a great one to listen to on your daily walk. I think. Like, yeah, absolutely. Nice, like, uplifting burst of positivity. Yeah. And the daily walk is definitely something that we all, um, I certainly super value, but to, um, yeah, to just to say again, thank you so much to Beth before we switch tracks on to talking about what we've been ch- doing the last few weeks and what we've been enjoying. Um, yeah, really recommend her book. It's fantastic. Um, and to move on, um, Francesca, what have you been up to the past few weeks of isolation? Um, what kind of things do you want to highlight and chat about? Yeah, so I know in the last episode, I mentioned that I'd done this big book order. And one of the books that I had ordered was Girl, Woman, Other by Bernadine Evaristo. So I absolutely devoured this book and it was just so wonderful. Obviously, it's been universally applauded. Um, and, you know, by winning the Booker Prize, it's had a lot of publicity. Everybody knows it's a great book. Um but it really was just so wonderful. And I had such a wonderful reading experience. Um, it's so absorbing. The book, so the plot, the book basically weaves together the story of 12 different characters, mostly women, mostly black, uh, all British, 
It's principally set in London, but some parts take place in Northumberland um, and other locations in the UK. Um, and Bernadine Evaristo also sort of jumps back and forward through time. Um, each chapter focuses on a different character and fully embodies their world, their point of view, their position in society, their thoughts on the world. You're completely in their head. Um, but it's conceived essentially as the idea of six degrees of separation. So you're in that character's mindset. And then the next chapter is somebody else, someone else who's related to them in some way. Sometimes it's a very direct correlation, like it's their daughter or uh, their teacher. But other times it's someone who you're actually not quite sure how it re how they relate to the previous character. But it's always explained at some point. Um, all these characters are connected and we chart why and how over the course of the novel. Um, some of these connections are surprising. Some are very sweet. Some are sad. Many of them are poignant. All of them feel very real. Um, I think the other amazing part of this book is the author highlights a full spectrum of womanhood, also a full spectrum of personhood. There are characters who are gay, characters who are straight, characters who are non-binary, older characters, younger characters. It's truly intersectional in a way that completely reflects the Britain that we live in today. It's just such a human book, really. It's so engaging and easy to read as well. It just completely engulfs you, as I said. Um, and there are also great discussions in the novel about feminism, how feminism intersects with race and class and how feminism has changed and our understanding of it has changed over the years. I think we sometimes assume that Booker Prize winners are going to be very heavy and hard to get into, very literary in a way that isn't necessarily appealing to um, you know, a reader who just picks up the book. But I just think that that's definitely not true, certainly not in the case of this book. It's just incredibly easy to read in the best possible way because it just sweeps you along into these different stories. So, yeah, I highly recommend it. Definitely recommend. But you mentioned earlier that you've um, that you ordered some books from your local bookstore. What were they? Uh, I'm really interested to hear. Oh, OK. Well, the interesting thing is um, they were sort of for me in that I chose them because I thought they'd be interesting. But I actually am giving them to my sister for her birthday. Oh, um, okay. But if you want to hear it, get into my mind. So um, basically, if anyone who doesn't know, I have a publishing degree. So I am pretty up on the publishing industry. I can recognise a, a, a book and what it will be about and what who would like it from a you know pretty far distance at this point. So um, when shopping for my sister, for example, uh, my sister likes classic novels. She loves Jane Eyre. She really likes things like William Boyd. Any Human Heart is one of her favourite books. Um, right. So she loves kind of stories of humans. She doesn't really like adventure or fantasy or mystery or thriller. I tried to get her into the Wilkie Collins and she really wasn't up for it. So I had to sort of think about like books that tell human stories, but aren't things that she's going to go for normally. So I picked three books I thought were really great. The first one I went for, which you should like, was The French Lieutenant's Woman. Oh, that's a good um, shout, yeah. By, um, oh, the name, John something. Fowles. John Fowles, that is it. Um, because I thought that it was, so The French Tense Woman is an interesting story of a fallen woman, right? In sort of this Jane Eyre style atmosphere. It's set in, um, not Weymouth. It's set in, a, set in a seaside town in the UK with that long pier. Port, port. Lime, Lime no. Regis, Lime Regis, <laughs> Lime Regis, with the, with the long, with the long uh, pier thingy. That's all rock yeah, and covered in water. Yeah, because she does a lot of like standing, standing on, on the edge of yeah. the pier. Yeah. So I thought because it was about a woman, a fallen woman, but also there's that metaphysical aspect to that book, right? Where you're not sure what the real story is, and the author leaves it up to you. So yeah, because it's like modern. It's a modern novel, but it's yeah. kind of like inhabiting the Victorian 
the themes of the Victorian yeah. novel, mm-hmm. but you've got this narrator that keeps like inserting himself in. So yeah, that's a really good chat. I yeah, really enjoy that. Absolutely, and I really enjoyed reading it. So it's definitely a great book to read. Anybody's interested um, because it again, it's written by a man, fine, but it's about the moralistic fallen woman idea. Um, and it's also meta- modernist. Um, I also got her Sebastian Barry's Days Without End, which she did ask for. Um, again, right. it's a beautiful, beautiful civil war, um, like kind of like um, exploration of the impact of war on families and on people, but also it's like a gay romance as well. Um, really beautifully written. It's not that long. Absolutely adore it. And I think she asked for it and I was like, she must read it because I loved it and I have spoken about it so much. Um, yeah. I also got her Sweet Francaise, um, which is interesting, definitely, because it's written by um, Irene Nemirovsky, who was a Jewish, a French Jew, in um, the, uh, who was alive during the occupation of France by the Nazis. Um, and uh, basically she wrote Sweet Francaise about what it was like in France during the occupation. And she unfortunately yeah. didn't get to write more than two sections of what was going to be her five section book because she was taken to a concentration camp and then subsequently was murdered. Um, so that'll be interesting because she likes those. She likes World War novels, but I thought like she liked Atonement. Well, she didn't like Atonement, but she did like Testament of Youth. So I thought that would be a great book to sort of get into the mindset of somebody who didn't get to finish writing. So like what's an edited book? Like, like I knew Irene Morosky's book was kind of put together by people who studied her work and who liked her a lot, and it was published mm. as sort of like a book, but not really a book. It's more like a collection of writings about the French occupation. Definitely recommend that book. I really liked it. The film is actually okay as well. I like the film. The film's all right. It's got Michelle Williams in it. Is that oh. her name? Yes. Yeah, I've I've actually not read the book and I've not seen the film. Oh. Um, which I should really rectify. Um, yeah, yeah, the film is good. It's um, just it's a classic like wartime romance between like a French person and a German soldier, and you're like, ooh, the German soldier is played by somebody good looking, but I can't for the life of me remember their name. Anyway, let's move on. And then the last book I got her was a Barbara Kingsolver called Unsheltered. Actually, what I wanted to get her so Barbara Kingsolver has been writing for about twenty years now, um, and I wanted to get her the Poisonwood Bible, which is about. Uh, a, an American family who move out to um, a country in sub-Saharan Africa. I think it might be the Congo. Um, and basically their um, preacher, her, the father's a preacher and a missionary. He goes out with his daughters and his wife to preach Christianity to the people. And it's the 1960s. And basically it's about what, how the country, this African country um, and what the missionary lifestyle, what impact it has on them as sort of like, colonialist heritage of African slavery um, and also of re- institutionalised religion. I thought it was really interesting to inhabit those questions in that book. But unfortunately, the bookstore couldn't get it for me because, of course, they, the printers can't get new versions of books printed at the minute and they didn't, didn't have any. So I went for Unsheltered instead, which is her newest novel. She released it, and I think, in 2019. Yes, and it's basically about two versions, two times in um, Virginia in America, I think, and it's this house and it starts in the 80s and this person goes into this house and it's surrounded by nature and it's very much in the countryside and it's about these like documents or history she finds in the house. It's kind of about the development of like America, the American dream um, 
in both timelines. So then it goes back to the 1860s. It's all very suffused in nature and that using that as a metaphor. Mm. And I thought, again, she would really like that sort of like dual timeline thing. It's about sort of the American way in American life, but investigated through these two timelines and these two experiences. That was very suffused in nature. And it's quite long as well. So it'll be a nice deep read for her. She's been reading The Goldfinch, which is unnecessarily long, as much as I love Donna Tartt, as much as I appreciate she's a great author. But yeah, so those are the ones I chose for her. And again, actually, they're quite female focused and also quite like investigation of the human experience and, you know, of like big themes of the human of society and globally. So those are the kind of things that I picked for her. And I also I picked for her, but I would read them myself or have read them myself. So that's always how it goes when choosing books for somebody, isn't it? You choose a book that you would like. Yeah. So therefore you hope they would like it, too. Um, I would do the same. Yeah, and it's for always... Definitely. And I think it's always um, it's always nice, obviously, if it's like a book that you've read and loved or yeah. an author whose work you really admire, because mm. then it's like someone else that you can discuss the book with. Yeah, and I would definitely. Yeah, yeah. That's like a great choice. Yeah, I would definitely throw Madeline Miller at her if I thought she enjoyed Greek mythology, but I know she does not, unfortunately. But I do think, I mean, we said about we talked about this when we interviewed Madeline Miller that um you know I didn't really have much of a background in Greek mythology at all like I didn't really know that much about it aside from kind of what I know from pop culture yeah um but I think because Madeline Miller does have that ability to really get inside the head of characters and explore their emotional experiences even though it's in this context of Greek mythology so I do think people who perhaps wouldn't normally like uh like quote-unquote genre novels like would like Madeline Miller but that said I definitely get what you mean when you're buying something for somebody and you kind of want them to enjoy it it's sometimes best to just go for something that you know is a win yeah oh definitely I think so so yeah I mean I haven't been reading books but I have been choosing books for other people and my next read aside from the book club book which I will get to which is going to be Queenie at this time which I know you've already read um Uh, is probably going to be, I'm going to finish off this book I'm reading about 18th century women in India, white women still, but, you know, they're the kind of women that nobody really talked about being part of the early colonial establishment. Um, And then I'm also interested in reading this book about 16th century and 17th century witches, um, which Mm. I found in Waterstones when I managed to get there before the lockdown started. So that is me, I think, what I'm going to be doing. Um, I have been re-watching, I know I've been, well, the great thing about the lockdown to say again it's a difficult time but one of the good things is that I've had time to sort of get into shows and things like that that I haven't been able to get into so I've been playing a lot of video games and you know I have some certain thoughts about women in video games I will not share now but know that I'm thinking them whilst playing (laughs) Batman um and um equally I have been watching a few shows and things like that and um I've been really enjoying finally getting to uh what we do in the shadows um which is uh, Jermaine Clement and Taika Waititi's um television version of their 2011 film um which is basically you know this mockumentary about vampires living in um modern uh, New York trying to basically take over the world and it's just not going very well and they've got it's honestly some of it's like some of the funniest television I've seen in a while um so I've been yeah I've been really enjoying sort of getting to grips with stuff that I wouldn't have the time to do and I think books for me is the next thing to get back onto I haven't been very good in um reading books I've just been sitting watching tv and using up all the electricity which is not good (laughs) I think you have to kind of especially at the moment I think you have to just kind of go with your instincts and like you can't force yourself to do anything like because there's so much going on that if you're finding escapism in like at the moment you're really enjoying video games or like another time you're really enjoying your show 
like you just go with that you know like yeah I, I don't think you should kind of feel obliged to do anything yeah um absolutely at the moment we already said it's so difficult just like cooking like, shopping oh my gosh stuff. we did so, say this you know yeah no we were talking before the podcast about the the daily the daily question of what to make for dinner is somehow you know it's so jarring to do it every single day now <laughs> Yeah, and like in terms of TV, like again, because I do feel like you can only do like so much, mm. um, even though we're in lockdown and we can't leave the house, it still feels like there's only so many hours in the day. Yeah. Um, the only like TV show I've been watching is Mallory Towers. Oh. Uh, um, yeah. You know, there's like so the for anyone who doesn't know, um, Mallory Towers is a series of books um by the children's author Enid Blyton that she wrote in like the forties and fifties, mm. um about this boarding school, fictional boarding school in Cornwall, quite like Paul Dark esque, just oh, minus nice, Paul Dark. yeah. Um, and it's about these girls at the boarding school getting up to japes um, and you know it's exactly what you would imagine it to be if mm. you've read any Enid Blyton or any like board, boarding school kind of novels um, anyway I read these books when I was ch- a child um, and there's a new BBC adaptation when I say BBC I mean like CBBS <laughs> adaptation of the of the stories and it came out in like March they moved it forward because of the lockdown to entertain children but also to entertain nostalgic adults um because i read all these reviews of it and everyone was like oh it's so good it's like it's just what you need right now because it's so like enveloping you in this kind of mm. comfort um but also it's quite a good adaptation it kind of tries to modernize it a little bit like mm-hmm. so anyway i started watching it and yeah i would definitely say that it has that kind of if you if you know the stories it, it is like quite fun watching them play out on screen and watching the characters like there's this mean girl called Gwendolyn Stacy and you know Ooh. she's exactly she's too mean as names mean as she... too mean names <laughs> actually I think her name is Gwendolyn Mary Lacey like so it's like a lot of names yeah going too on. many names um but yeah, she is exactly as mean as you would hope. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, there's all this sort of drama of like slapping someone in the swimming pool. It is very dramatic. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, no, it is quite like, because obviously it was written in the 40s. So, uh, I mean, I haven't revisited the books at all. Uh, you know, I haven't read them since I was young. Um, I think but they're probably very, uh, they probably do not stand up to our modern day yeah, sensibilities. Probably not. Um, and I think done a good job of kind of bringing them up to date and yeah. like they're still setting them in that period with the constraints of that period in terms of both you know the expectations of women but also how the girls might behave at the school in yeah. terms of yeah um but also they have made the cast more diverse mm. um in a way that is completely accurate to what it would have been like you mm. know um, that was really you know really great to see yeah um i would just really recommend it because it is just also the episodes are only 20 minutes long it's so nice it's and very easy kind of, yeah and i think there are a lot of episodes as well because i must have watched like six and i think there's still like at least another six. Oh, nice um so yeah anyway that's what i've been doing so yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> in terms of recommendations um uh before just before we finish um in terms of referrals um or referrals referrals <laughs> recommendations um there's plenty of stuff out there right now for you to engage with the national theater are churning out new shows and new plays all the time um and equally um android webber's the show must go on youtube channel is releasing love never dies this um this friday um there's eurovision again happening every saturday 8 p.m in the uk at least um and uh, absolutely and we'd also want to recommend ourselves slightly so if you want to know more about phantom or love never dies if you've watched the shows must go on phantom 25th anniversary show last week or you watched 
um, the Love Never Dies show last week as well on the Friday, um, we actually have some bonus content coming out featuring a special guest, our own lovely friend, Catherine, who has recently watched Phantom for the first time. So we dive in deep with her um, in our bonus content episode on our Patreon um all about her thoughts about our thoughts we're also doing a little bit of a retrospective on there of our last phantom episode we did a year or so ago where we really talked about some crazy stuff to do with the phantom so if you're interested in hearing that bonus content um it's up on our patreon now um it is um uh, five pounds per month subscription to access that content and plus any other bonus content we've produced we also have another tier of if you support us with 10 pounds per month on our patreon there is the bonus content plus some other extra things you can do with us for example um, we do q a recommendations things like that on that tier so um, if you're interested in getting access to that bonus content please do check out our site which is um, patreon.com slash loves neighbors watch of course the podcast in general will always be free we won't ever charge for this content but the bonus stuff that we do all the extra things that we do um we really want to try and grow and supporting the show is one of the best ways that you as our audience can do that so if you're interested please do um follow us on patreon and subscribe and become a patron um we would love to interact more with you guys um and equally if you aren't sure about it now we'll always be talking about it on our twitter and our instagram and on the show itself so um yeah feel free to get involved on our patreon and equally our twitter is loves labors watched no, it's not. Our Twitter is at RealLLW. Our Instagram is Love's Labours Watch. No punctuation, all lowercase. And our email is loveslabourswatch at gmail.com. Um, any business inquiries, any questions, any things you want us to talk about, we're accessible on all of those fronts, all of those access points. So, mm-hmm. yeah, get in touch with us. Um, we're always trying to grow. We're always trying to build. And the more interaction we get from guests, from you guys, yeah, it's great. We enjoy it, don't we? Yeah, it's great cool yeah we're gonna keep going <laughs> yeah we do absolutely i mean i think it's always so great um to hear from listeners um and patreon is just like another way of us having having that communication mm-hmm. and why would you not want to download an extra like 30 minutes of us discussing the bizarre world bonkers of yeah yeah, maybe somewhat lovable world of the Phantom of the Opera. Um, yeah. And yeah, with our special guest as well. So that was fun. Yeah, absolutely. And if you want to listen to any of our past shows, we have a whole host of things we talked about in the past two years, including um, uh, our past episode with Beth talking about the flat share. That is up on our SoundCloud, as well as iTunes and Spotify and any other podcast provider you like. Our Phantom show, possibly a whole bunch of other stuff that you might be interested in hearing about. We've probably talked about it, hopefully. So please do feel free to go back into our um, episode roster, episode backlist, whatever, and see what you archive. like. Archive. <laughs> archive, archive. Um, and of course, we will be back next week. No, week after next, sorry. We're bi-monthly um, with some new content and maybe some new interviews. You know, isolation is great. We have nothing else to do, which is also good <laughs> for you guys and for us. So. <laughs> Yeah, well, thank you so much for listening and please get in touch with any any thoughts. Um, stay safe. Um, big up to the NHS as always. Um, you know, they're doing a great job keeping us safe here in the UK. I hope everyone is safe where you guys are and um, we'll see you in a few weeks. Bye.